This is Commission President Sam Cho convening the regular meeting of November 21st, 2023. The time is 10.34 a.m. We're meeting in person today at the Seattle-Tacoma International Airport Conference Center and virtually via Microsoft Teams. Present with me today are Commissioners Calkins, Feldman, Hazegawa, and Mohammed, who are currently gathered in the executive session room awaiting the opening of the public meeting. We'll now recess into executive session to discuss one item regarding litigation and or potential litigation or legal risk per RCW 42.30.110, sub 1 sub I, for approximately 30 minutes, and we'll reconvene at the public session at 12 p.m. noon. Thank you. This is Commissioner President Sam Cho, reconvening the regular meeting on November 21st, 2023. The time is now 12.01 p.m. We're meeting in person today at the Seattle Tacoma International Airport Conference Center. Thank you. Begin with Commissioner Hawkins. Here. Thank you. Commissioner Chow. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Bellman, joining us virtually. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa, also joining us virtually. Present. Thank you. And Commissioner Mohammed. Thank you. We do have a full forum here today. Excellent. Thank you very much. A few housekeeping items before we begin today for everyone in the room. Please turn off your cell phones and put them on silent. For everyone participating on Microsoft Teams, please mute your speakers who are not actively speaking or presenting. Please keep your cameras off unless you're a member of the commission or executive director participating virtually, or you're a member of staff in the presentation and not actively addressing the commission. Members of the public addressing the commission during public comment may turn on their cameras when their name is called to speak, and will turn them back off again at the conclusion of their remarks. For anyone at the dais here today, Please turn off the speakers on any computers and silence your devices. Please also remember to address your requests to be recognized to speak to the chair and to wait to speak until you have been recognized. You'll turn your microphones on and off as, you, as needed. All the items noted here will ensure a smoother meeting. So I think we can. All votes today will be taken by the roll call method, so it is clear for anyone participating virtually how votes are cast. Commissioners will say aye or nay when their name is called. We are meeting on the ancestral lands and waters of the Coast Salish people, with whom we share a commitment to steward these natural resources for future generations. This meeting is being digitally recorded and may be viewed or heard at any time on the court's website and may be rebroadcast by King County Television. Please now stand and join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. Okay. Okay, the first item of business today is approval of the agenda. As a reminder, if the commissioner wishes to comment for or against an item on the consent agenda, it is not necessary to pull the item from the consent agenda. Rather, a commissioner may offer supporting or opposing comments later in this meeting once we get to the consent agenda. Please wait until the motion is to approve the consent agenda is on the floor for these comments, if any. However, it is appropriate at this time if the commissioner wants to ask questions of staff or wishes to have a dialogue on a consent agenda item, request the item to be pulled for separate discussion. Are there items, are there any items to be pulled from the consent agenda or any motion to arrange or to delay? Yes, Commissioner Tom. I have my hand raised. Yes, I would like to pull item 8G and I have a quick question for item 8F. Sir, are you pulling both or are you pulling one? 
I have a quick question for clarification on AF. So it would be a cup and you would need to pull that. So are, no, I thought we had like we I thought we had this separate process where we just ask a question without having to pull it. No, no. If you're making a comment on the item, then you do not have to pull it. But if you're going to ask staff, they have to come up and answer the question before we pull it. Then pull some. So you're pulling both G and F. Is that right? F and G. Okay. Back. Okay. Uh, the commissioner, uh, commissioners, the question is now uh, um, on the approval of agenda as amended. Do we have? Motion. So moved. Second. Second. All right. Any objections to the approval agenda as amended? Hearing none, the agenda is amended and approved. Moving on, uh, item four, we have no special orders scheduled for today. So we'll move on in the agenda to the executive director's report. Deputy Executive Director Boone, you have the floor. Good afternoon, as we quickly approach the end of the year, there are so many things we get the court have to be thankful for. The list of our 2023 accomplishments is too long on this year, so for now, most of it's civil. And I express my gratitude on behalf of the entire executive leadership team, to all court staff, tenants, customers, travelers, and community partners for, our, for an incredibly successful year so far. I also want to express my gratitude and thanks to all of our foreign employees and partners who are working to keep our papers open and operating over what is anticipated to be a busy holiday weekend for travel. In fact, TSA projects that it might be the busiest ever with 2.99 people anticipated to fly this coming Sunday. Last Wednesday, all of the Pacific Northwest Alaska Green Cruise Corridor first movers, the ports, cruise lines, and nonprofit partners who have joined us in our global leading initiative to establish the first ever Green Cruise Corridor, gathered for an all-day in-person meeting. Since May 2022, this group has been convened to make progress, and we have much to be proud of. A charter, a pre-feasibility plan, a partnership with International Maritime Motor Center for Zero Carbon Shipping. As we head into 2024, one of our key goals is to transition from we will decarbonize to we are decarbonized, with specific examples as well as reporting on emission reduction impacts and progress. We are also considering a number of proposed pilot projects related to the use of alternative maritime fuels. Thank you to everyone in maritime, environmental and sustainability, and external relations who worked so hard to make the meeting a success and have helped us continue to make exciting progress in our Green Corridor Initiative overall. And finally, we are pleased to announce the upcoming renewal of our sister port agreement with the Port of Busan, South Korea. South Korea is the Northwest Seaport Alliance's fourth largest trading partner with over six billion of imports and exports. The Port of Busan specifically is the alliance's sixth largest import and third largest export trading partner. This one renewal will commemorate 42 years since the signing of the original agreement in 1981 and represents a reaffirmation of a beneficial relationship and ongoing collaboration in various aspects of port business, such as maritime decarbonization, safety, and technology. Our current collaboration with Busan includes exploration of a green cargo shipping corridor, which is an incredible, which has incredible synergy with the green cruise corridor work that we are doing. 
in fact, Mayor's McKinney Moeller is helping with both efforts. And so as we, as, as we are excited to learn how these two projects can complement each other, particularly around the dual use of alternative maritime fuels. Commission President Cho will be traveling to the Port of Busan at the end of the month to speak at the Busan International Ports Conference and to participate in the planning event. Moving to today's commission meeting, I would like to highlight a few items. On our consent agenda, we have an action related to adding additional funding for public defender services through an interlocal agreement with the SeaTac Municipal Court. Earlier this year, you authorized additional funding to cover the increased forecasted cost of jail bookings at SCORE, the South Correctional Entity. This action will increase funding for the associated public defender services. While we recognize that booking people into jails is not a preferred choice, we must retain this option and fund it accordingly. We have, however, made great progress in diverting people to social services where possible, thanks to the incredible work of our Sea Cares program and partners, which coordinates a non-law enforcement response to people experiencing homelessness or crisis at sea. Between May 21 and October 2023, 275 encounters were resolved without an arrest being made, and 192 resulted in an individual accepting resources from the SCA Cares program. We will also be requesting your authorization to join the leadership committee of an exciting new collaborative aimed at advancing regional efforts on offshore wind. The committee will include representation from industry, ports, tribes, labor, nonprofit, and research institutions, and will be tasked with promoting the development of offshore wind supply chains for our region. In addition, you'll be asked to authorize the 2024 allocation of our environmental remediation liabilities. This routine authorization allows the port to continue cleaning up legacy contamination on our properties. The bulk of the legacy contamination is the result of past owners' operation on the property that the port has purchased. Our cleanups help put contaminated properties back to use, both to support job growth and also to allow the development of parks and habitats. This work is a core part of our efforts to improve the environment, support marine life, and enhance the health and quality of life near port communities. <coughs> And lastly, the marquee item for today is the budget. Today is the second reading for the court's 2024 budget, five-year capital improvement plan, and plan of finances. I will have more to say on this topic when we get to that point in the agenda, but on behalf of Executive Director Metrics, I would like to thank, again, everyone who has worked so hard over the past six months to get us to today's final budget. This is my first budget process with the court, and I truly believe that we are walking the talk with our proposed budget in terms of making the investments that align with our mission, vision, and operational needs, all while balancing short-term priorities with long-term strategy for success. So, which, Commissioner, that concludes my Thank you so much, Karen, and I couldn't agree with you more. All right, with that, we are now on to committee reports, but we actually have no reports for this meeting today, so we'll be moving on in the agenda, and, um, first ask if there are any questions for Karen uh, with regards to her report. Oh yeah, Commissioner Mohammed, please. I don't have a question, but I just want to uh, say it's great to see you in this role. Deputy Executive Karen Zoom, it's great to see you as the acting executive director today. And so have one for the Excellent. All right, we will now move on to public comment. Uh, the court commission welcomes public comment as an important part of the public process. Comments are received and considered by the commission in deliberations. Before we take public comment, let's review our rules for in-person and virtual public comment. 
Her heart, please play the recording for us. Thank you. The first Seattle Commission welcomes you to our meeting today. As noted, public comments is an important part of the public process, and the Port of Seattle Commission thanks you for joining us. The Commission accepts in-person, virtual, and written public comment regarding matters related to the conduct of sport business. Before we proceed, here are the Commission's public comment rules of procedure for your information. Each commenter will have two minutes to speak and should stay within the allotted time. A timer will appear on the screen and a buzzer will sound at the end of the two-minute period for each speaker. The Commission reserves the right to receive comments specifically related to the conduct of sport business. If comments are not related to the conduct of sport business, the presiding officer will stop the speaker and ask that comments be kept to matters related to the conduct of sport business. This rule applies to both introductory and concluding remarks. All remarks should be addressed to the Commission as a body and not to individual commissioners. The disruptions of Commission public meetings are prohibited. Disruptions include but are not limited to the following. Refusal of a speaker to limit remarks topics related to the conduct of court business. Threats and abusive or harassing behavior and language. Obscene language and gestures. Refusal of a speaker to comply with the allotted time set for the individual speaker's public comment. Leaving the podium or testimony table to physically approach commissioners or staff during one's public comment, provided speakers may offer written material to the commission clerk, and any behavior that disrupts, disturbs, or otherwise impedes the meeting. Any disruption will result in the speaker's microphone being immediately shut off by the presiding officer and a warning or loss of speaking privileges or removal from the meeting room may occur, as provided in the commission's bylaws. Written materials provided to the clerk will be included in today's meeting record. The clerk has a list of those prepared to speak. We are taking comments from anyone who has signed up to speak virtually, as well as from anyone who has joined us today here in the meeting room. When your name is called, if you are joining virtually, please unmute yourself, then please repeat your name for the record and state the topic related to the conduct of court business. You may turn on your camera at this time. The two-minute timer will then begin. If you're on the Teams meeting and at the same time streaming the meeting on the website, please mute the website stream to avoid feedback. When you have concluded your remarks, you may again turn off your camera and mute your speaker. If you're speaking from the meeting room, please come to the testimony table, repeat your name for the record, and state your topic related to the conduct of court business. Our public comment period will now commence. Thank you again for joining us today. Great. Our first speaker today is Randy Boucher. All right, if you could state your name for the record and the topic related to court business, and then we'll start the clock.
were installed. In fact, 50% of my window sills were rotted. Um, I had to replace a part of them, and I had water going into the walls. Um, since I, you know, I also have mold growing in between the window panes of the windows, and I know that uh, in 2020, Washington legislators had passed the bill HB 2315. This bill was to fix the problems. It's been eight years since I complained about this problem, and it seems like nothing has been done. So I'd like to invite commissioners themselves to come over anytime available on their 24 hours, 20, every day of the week, to see for themselves um, the poor installation that, that I got. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. Our next speaker is Jimmy Lindbergh. Jimmy, if you could state your name and your topic of your business, and then we'll start the clock. Hi, I'm Jimmy Limerick. I'm the president of ILWU Local 9, and I'm here to talk about security worker uh, scheduling at the Port of Seattle. The reason I want to speak to you today is about the concerning change to the scheduling work conditions that my union members in the security department here at SeaTac are being subject to. Recently, the security management team has informed Local 9 that it intends to make dramatic change to the security department employees' work schedule. Currently, the department's numerous working shifts. These include graveyards, days, mids, both eight and 10 hour shifts. There are several part-time shifts covering the times during the day. Over the last year, the Port of Seattle Security Department's hired 30 part-time employees. Some of these employees have moved into full-time positions. The Port Security Department management has decided to radically change the working hours for the security department. Their new proposal will drop down to two full-time shifts and one part-time shift. The full-time shift would be 3 a.m. to 1 p.m. and the part, uh, and also 12.30 to 10.30 p.m. On all part-time employees, it would be working 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. I can tell you that Local 9 opposes this schedule. I am deeply concerned about the potential impact that this proposed schedule will have on our membership. It is evident this schedule will pose significant challenges to our members that will lead to a decline in the morale of a number of our members. It's highly likely we will lose a substantial number of members due to the schedule's implication of their personal, implication of their personal lives. Those who currently hold part-time positions will likely be forced to make very hard decisions that affect their livelihoods and family security. Many part-time workers uh, uh, have family obligations like childcare, getting kids to school, coaching kids, and doing other important life functions that benefit the family and our community. I expect a double-digit resignation in our part-time workforce. We will also see some attrition in our full-time employees. These are people that the port has already invested money and time and training. The early start time will make it very hard for parents. There will also be public transportation issues for our 3 a.m. starters. All these issues run counter to the port's stated value. A green port needs to be accommodating to its workers' ability to use public transportation, not to mention the value the port puts on its workers and their families. None of these changes benefit the port worker. Not only does it create scheduling hardship, it also burdens. As I stated earlier, more than one job and asking to choose between one job is not financially beneficial. Local land wants to work with the poor. Thank you, Jenny. Okay. Appreciate it. And lastly, we have JC Harris. have a piece of paper today. So, good afternoon, Commissioners, J.C. Harris, SeaTac Noise.info. Um, two things, 
which is why I wrote it down. Firstly, concerning the land stewardship plan, it would be wonderful if you could extend the public comment period out into next year, um, not only to increase the participation level, but um, basically, you know, this is a Rev 1. It's a dramatic improvement in policy, but like any Rev 1, um, it needs a bit more time. I want you to understand that your, the actual lands over which you have control, regardless of how progressive your tree canopy policies are, you cannot increase tree cover. However, you are big influencers, and I would encourage you to take this time to think about ways that you could create a strategy that influences tree canopy in the surrounding cities, particularly along the flight path from Federal Way up to Beacon Hill. Second, uh, you heard from Mr. Boucher, and um, he's one of hundreds of homes that had poor installs. It really was not about, you know, just the foggy windows or the bad product. And uh, the thing is, um, given the positive news on your budget, it's time to start setting aside some money to help people like him to create some continuity with uh, the housing stock going forward. It would send a strong message to decision makers uh, to provide more funding. In short, you should pre create the pilot program so that people at the federal level will then see how well it works and then give you the funding. Just waiting for funding to come top down, it's just not going to happen. You have a need here, you have the funding, you have the legislation. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate your comments. All right, well, that concludes all those who have signed up to speak uh, for public, uh, sign up for uh, public comment. Is there anyone else present in the room on a Teams call who didn't sign up but also wishes to address the commission? If so, please state your spell your name and state the topic related to the conduct report business you wish to speak about for the record. All right, seeing so that at this time, I will ask the clerk to please give a synopsis of any written comments we received. Thank you, Mr. Commission President. We have received no written comments for the meeting today. I'll also take the opportunity to remind everybody here at the table to be sure your mics are on before speaking. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Hearing no further public testimonies, we'll move on to the consent agenda. Items on the consent agenda are considered routine and will be adopted by one motion. Items removed from the consent agenda will be considered separately immediately after the adoption of the remaining consent agenda items. At this time, the chair will entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda items covering 8B, 8C, 8D, 8E, 8H, and 8I. So moved. Second. All right. Motion was made and seconded. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called for the approval of the consent agenda. Beginning with Commissioner Coppins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fallman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasekawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho? Aye. Thank you. There are five ayes, zero nays for this item. Excellent. The motion passes as amended. We will now go to item 8F, which... And I'll read that into the record. Yep. 
This is agenda item 8F, Commission concurrence with the 2018 Port SeaTac Interlocal Agreement Joint Advisory Committee's recommendation to continue and complete the 2018 agreement. Take it away. Thank you. Good afternoon, Commissioners. For the record, Claire Gallagher, uh, External Relations for the Port of Seattle. The item before you is a component of the port's uh, interlocal agreement with the city of SeaTac. This is a 10-year agreement and was negotiated and then adopted subsequently in 2018. The thrust of the item, frankly, is a component of the basic agreement which calls for the port and the city to examine at the five-year mark whether it has uh, issues that require it to open up the agreement and renegotiate immediately or whether the agreement is working uh, as designed and that both agencies are comfortable moving forward without change and then continue to the full term of the 10-year agreement. The 10-year agreement also automatically dictates that negotiations begin on year eight. So uh, either way, there will be sufficient time to open up and, and look at the agreement. So the... Um, this item is uh, required to come before the Joint Advisory Committee, which is another component of the interlocal agreement, uh, and they make a recommendation to each of their respective bodies regarding the disposition of this element. Uh, the City Manager and the Airport Managing Director, Lance Little, have made the recommendation to the Joint Advisory Commission member, Committee members that the ILA is functioning as designed, that they're comfortable with it, and they, their recommendation is to proceed through the remainder of the term and not reopen at year five. And this item calls for concurrence by the Port Commission. And so the JAC members have brought this forward for your discussion and concurrence today. Excellent. Commissioner Feldman, I think you can ask your question. Well, thank you very much. Um, the reason why I asked to pose was initially just to specifically ask why, since the JAC passed this um, concurrence back in May, is it first coming up now? But that's not the major question. Happy to speak to that regardless, Commissioner. Thank you for the question. Uh, simply a matter of we had some meetings scheduled on the regular calendar. We did not keep to that schedule. There were some cancellations, and it, we didn't bring it up uh, until the final quarterly meeting of the year. Uh, excuse me, of the the, the the next previous meeting. So we had we didn't meet in June and we didn't meet in, I think, August. Uh, so simply a delay in processing between the, the meeting times. Well, I thought the memo said May 16 was the, when it was brought before the, the JSC. I, you know, and my, my other reason for pointing is just that it's a special relationship we have with SeaTac that we have with no other South King County city. And for our new commissioners to understand this special relationship that allows us to, you know, self-permit and other things like this, I just wanted to make sure that the nature of the, of the IRA is well understood. It's going to be another five years beforehand. It's, a, it's not a trivial decision. And I just thought for, you know, public, public awareness, and the commission's awareness that, you know, perhaps a quick synopsis of what's in there, and um, and I'm I'm certainly happy to continue to support the extension, but I, I just would I think it'd be best for folks to understand this uh, special relationship. 
Absolutely. Uh, President Cho, if uh, I'd like before, to... Before you go on, I think Commissioner uh, Mohammed has a comment or a question. Yeah, um, I, it, it's helpful for the public to understand um, this agreement, but both Commissioner Hasegawa and I have served on JAC. Um, I've served on JAC since joining the commission, and so I'm very familiar with this document and have been part of this process. And um, yeah, just wanted to make that clear. Claire, if you could briefly. Commissioner Cho? Commissioner Hasegawa has a hand. Oh, Commissioner Hasegawa, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to echo um, what Commissioner Mohammed just said as a former JAC member, convened on multiple occasions with representatives of the city council, um, have touched base in the meantime and familiar with this document. Uh, but thank you, Commissioner Solomon, for pulling it for the benefit of our understanding. Claire, if you could just briefly for the public describe the relationship. Sure, sure absolutely. And happy to provide to the full commission the short memo that uh, Dave Kaplan, local government relations manager, and I prepared for the JAC members, which was a recap of the, of the interlocal agreement. Uh, the interlocal agreement, as I mentioned, was adopted in 2018. It's, I think, the third that has been done successively between the port and the city. And the reason for the agreements is because each the, the port and the city each have uh, independent authorities, and sometimes in areas which overlap. Uh, stormwater is a particularly notable area. And the port itself has regulatory authority both under the port's chapter, which is RCW 53, as well as the aviation airport operating chapter, which is uh, RCW 14. So the interlocal agreement serves to clarify state and note the areas of agreement between the overlapping areas where, for instance, in stormwater, again, the port holds its own permits but the city of SeaTac as a municipality and a general purpose government has requirements of its own to comply with stormwater. So rather than the port make the choice to subjugate its regulatory authority to the city's um, authority overall, it chooses to negotiate and the port and the city have agreed upon outcomes about how these will be handled. So the interlocal agreement covers things such as land use, stormwater management, uh, permitting authority, uh, which the city in this version has delegated to the Port of Seattle uh, to exercise on the airport grounds, and a few other areas that are not coming straight to mind, but it also calls out how disputes are handled. It confirms the um, existence of the Joint Advisory Committee, and just overall is agreement on how best to work together so that we don't have to frankly sue each other, which is why it all came about in the first place in about 1997. So uh, that would be my brief history. I can dive in for pages if you want me to. No, I think that's sufficient. Thank you so much, Claire. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. I, I wasn't aware whether whether Commissioner Cho had served on it as well, but I have that was great for the public's awareness. Thank you. I served on it with uh, Commissioner Steinbrook in my first year. Commissioner, anything further? That's it. Thank you, Claire. Thank you. So, so we will take up this uh, uh, as a vote for a vote. Um, if we want to get a motion in a second. So moved. So moved. Second. All right. The motion seconded. has been made and seconded. Uh, Clerk Hart, please call the roll. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Cho. Aye. 
Thank you. Five eyes, zero nays for this item. Great. We'll move now on to item 8G. Clerk Hart, please introduce the item. Thank you. This is agenda item 8G, authorization for the executive director to execute a memorandum of understanding with Maritime Blue, a Washington 501C6 nonprofit organization surrounding operation and Port of Seattle participation in the organization's Blue Wind Supply Chain Collaborative. Commissioners, as noted in my opening remarks, this action enables our participation on the leadership committee of an exciting new collaborative aimed at advancing regional efforts on offshore wind. The committee will include representation from industry, ports, tribes, labor, nonprofits, and research institutions. Together, we can work to promote development of offshore wind supply chain and better our understanding of the economic opportunities that come with it. Matt Sismanitz, Senior Environmental Management Specialist, Maritime Environmental and Sustainability, and Dave McFadden, Managing Director of Economic Development Division, are joining us today virtually. Excellent. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Good afternoon, Deputy Director Gunn. Uh, we're here to seek authorization, uh, commission authorization to execute this memorandum of understanding Maritime Blue to support the Port of Seattle's engagement with the Blue Wind Offshore Wind Supply Chain Collaborative. Uh, as uh, Deputy Director Gunn just mentioned, the opportunities are really huge in offshore wind. Uh, we expect to, as a result of President Biden's commitment to develop 30 gigawatts of offshore wind power, uh, a need to produce over 2,000 turbines, 6,800 miles of cable, 80 to 90 vessels, all of which stacks up to somewhere between 12 and 49,000. So, you know, it is coming to the West Coast, um, and as it comes to the West Coast, the supply chain opportunities are uh, significant. We want to position ourselves well for those. Um, this collaborative really takes a look at those opportunities, and uh, Joshua Berger uh, highlighted the work of this collaborative both at the Northwest Seaport Alliance's offshore wind study session and at a briefing with our commission in June. And so what it does, as uh, Deputy Director Goon mentioned, is bring together a broad coalition of interests and parties in Washington State to really look and um, delve into the supply chain opportunities uh, that come with offshore wind and ideally position ourselves for success or a piece of that uh, economic dividend or uh, upside opportunity. So that is the request. The MOU details the additional um, uh, group or collaborative will work, including the structure of the leadership committee, uh, the leadership committee's roles and responsibilities, external communication protocols, uh, conflicts of interest, and how we're going to make decision and uh, act as a body, essentially. Uh, Matt and I will be participating in the leadership committee, but the Blue Wind Collaborative will also have several work groups open to port staff, commissioners, and the public, uh, from community outreach to workforce development to West Coast collaboration, vessel needs and construction, and economic uh, cost-benefit analysis. So 
that's really um, what we wanted to share with you today, and I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. All right, we'll start with Commissioner Feldman. Questions? Well, thank you, Dave. And um, I think it's such a new and promising opportunity that it deserves to be something other than on consent and appreciate your leadership in serving on the, on the committee. What I, um, what I have always said is that I, I think this opportunity is very significant, but that the, unless these projects were going to be cited in Elliott Bay or Commencement Bay, that our discussion of um, citing would, would be uh, a part. And I know we're not, we would not engage in that conversation. And I see very specifically it's called the, uh, what is it, the, the supply chain collaborative. Now, is there a separate uh, maritime blue wind entity that's not called supply chain collaborative? No. This is the only collaborative that's focused on offshore wind opportunities and supply chain, to my knowledge. Yes. Okay, because, you know, it's, it's very clear that Maritime Blue has been very much in the promotion of offshore wind siting as well in Washington, as is the governor. And, um, and there's clearly a connection between the closer you have siting, the more opportunities there could be to be part of that supply chain. One of our challenges is a 100-mile Juan de Fuca Strait and other uh, proximal challenges. So, um, and there's language in here about working with impacted stakeholders like fishermen and stuff like that, which you really wouldn't uh, be considering at this point unless there was conflict opportunities. And having served as the Ocean Issues Coordinator for the Coast's uh, 12 coastal commissioners in the past and seeing for comments on offshore oil and gas development and the marine sanctuary and seeing the same constituents uh, rising up again to challenge this uh, project, I, I really see the conflation of these issues um, as damaging our ability to actually accomplish what this program, you know, asserts to be focused on. I, I had the same experience with the Seaport Alliance when I said expressly that let's just say focus on the, on the um, supply chain when, in fact, we just updated the legislative agenda and, in fact, promotion of offshore wind was put in the agenda. And so I, I, I am supportive of this idea, but the only other concern I have is, you know, I appreciate Ryan's leadership on bringing, writing this proposal with Maritime Blue and continuing to do research on the subject matter, but there was always a question whether the Seaport Alliance or the Port of Seattle or both would be the entity in which this program would be housed, and it's bounced back and forth uh, repeatedly. I find it odd that we would be looking at just the Port of Seattle and not at least the Seaport Alliance uh, be part of this discussion. And so, um, and you know, in talking with some of the folks at the you know, it's Eric Johnson and others that I really believe that we could eventually bring everybody together. And this is called a collaborative. And I just feel that it's a little awkward, if not ironic, to have us getting forward in a less than collaborative fashion. And I, I was just wondering whether to you, you know, and, and, you know, these work groups are going to set the budget, set the priorities, 
And, and so I'm just wondering, you know, what the process would be to add additional folks to this, or is there really such a rush to sign it now? Good questions. Thank you, Commissioner. I start with um, something you, you said a few minutes ago. Having been barely involved with the details and scope of the Blue Wind Collaborative, I am not, I cannot see that it's focused on siting issues in Washington State. At least that's not what I'm seeing by the way this is organized. It's really looking at the supply chain pretty specifically. Uh, with regard to Northwest Seaport Alliance, Port of Coma, I would like to call on my colleague, Lindsay Wolpa, who's on the line, and I think she can probably answer your question better than I can. Thank you. Good, good afternoon, Commissioner. Can you hear me right now? Yes, Lindsay, we can hear you. Go uh, ahead. For the record, Lindsay Wolpa, Senior, Man Senior Manager of Strategic Projects for the Northwest Seaport Alliance. Great question. I have asked the same we are at a position at this point in time where we're, I do understand additional names can be added at a later point in time. We have created an ad hoc committee that includes both Port of Seattle and Port of Tacoma commissioners that will be meeting next week. Um, and we will be discussing these issues among others. We have a, uh, several items that we're talking about, but I don't preclude the Seaport Alliance or the Port of Tacoma eventually signing on. But at this point, I don't think we're, we, we have some more conversations to have to understand those pieces at this point, and so I do believe we, it will, we are not ready today. Um, and, and so I, go ahead, oh, sorry. Um, so I, I'm happy to, to continue on, on further, and this is one of the topics that I intended to discuss with the four commissioners in the ad, ad hoc committee next week, um, and to understand what the timeline with, with yourself, have our colleagues, and when they'll get there. But I do believe we will get there, but we're just not there at the same time in support of Seattle. Thanks for having and, me. And, and that's, that's my understanding, too, and I'm really delighted that there is this working group and that there is an opportunity to get everybody on the same page and really kind of feel that stepping out in front of that process is unnecessarily, can cause unnecessary uh, disgruntledness between our parties. And, I mean, I'm just wondering, is there, um, and while I also agree with Dave, certainly the focus is not citing but it's clear that the members of this committee are also involved with citing, so it's not precluded from the discussion. But um, do you, do, is there a time-sensitive issue? I mean, if, if indeed we are making progress, as I believe we are, in bringing Alliance and even Port of Tacoma along for this discussion, is there a time sensitivity here that, um, that would just give us, like, you know, the last meeting of the year to sign off on this? Or... We still have another meeting. I would respond saying um, the kickoff of the leadership committee will happen in the next three weeks, and it'll be a half day's startup to that uh, coalition effort. We would like to join, you know, at the ground floor level to participate in those early formative discussions. So there is a bit of a risk that we uh, miss out. On, on some of the conversation, maybe yearly deliberations of priorities. Uh, what I would add is I have to talk to Joshua about this, and he is aware that, you know, we have three partners all, you know, considering this, thinking about it. He's, he is very welcoming open arms 
You know, he would he would invite NWSA to join. He will invite the Court of Tacoma when they are ready. I think what that means is that we can all join at our respective times we're comfortable. And as a partner from Port of Seattle's end, we can make sure that they're not left too far behind. So I would actually advocate that we join now. We have been signaling this for quite a few months, at least at our own home port. And I, I'm very confident, as Lindsay mentioned, that we are now starting to work together and form the coalition around the three of us working together. Great. Commissioner and, and Muhammad it's because of that progress that you're making is why I'm feeling that um, asking folks to join after some of the priority setting has already occurred is um, uh, less fortunate than it could be. If you're coming at this together, I mean, port assets are, are that much better if they're adjacent to Seaport Alliance properties and vice versa, like we're doing with cars in Tacoma. So I, I just, I just, really am encouraged by what I'm hearing about Tacoma and the Alliance joining this effort and the idea of um, moving out in front when progress is being made and having priorities set without them, I find to be a, a false start. Now, okay. if it's three weeks period of time that could be made different, um, I, would, uh, I would be encouraged. Thank, Thank you. you. Commissioner Mohammed. Um, well, I think, Commissioner Fellman, you bring up some really important and good points. Um, I will say we all serve on the alliance, um, and I signed up to be on the ad hoc committee for offshore wind, and I feel like I'm confident that we will be able to get our colleagues on the alliance side up to speed. And I do think that there are specific opportunities for the Port of Seattle um, around this um, agreement, and getting the Port of Seattle at the table early um, does not undermine the Alliance or the, the Port of Tacoma, but it gives the Port of Seattle opportunities that are outside of the Alliance businesses, and I definitely don't want us to miss that opportunity. Um, but I do hear you. I think, I think it is important for us to be collaborative. I think you make really important points about um, making sure that our partners at the Alliance and at the Port of Tacoma are on board with us, and I, and I do think we've already made some really good steps towards that by creating an ad hoc committee that includes both Port of Seattle and Port of Tacoma members. And so um, I'm mindful of what the, the points that you're making. And what I would ask staff is, um, soon as this gets passed today, that we share this information immediately with the Alliance folks. And it's great to see that Lindsay's on this call, and I, I imagine that you will do that, um, and that we communicate. I think the, these opportunities happen, come to us, it, it's not about us being perfect and, and doing it perfect, but doing it with really good intentions and moving towards progress. And I think that's what we've been been doing. And um, so I just I just wanted to to add those points. Excellent. Thank you so much, Commissioner Mohammed. All right. With that, I will entertain a motion for item eight. I, I just want to one other point is why why this was. I don't think I recognize I, Commissioner Mohammed to speak, but go ahead. Thank you. The the part about the additional study that we're doing about actually looking at our facilities and the lack of coordination and that is what made me bring this up. That both of these things are a little out of sync and I think both of them can be brought together and I encourage the working group to try to do this as, po as fast as possible because 
we need to act as the harbors. Our assets are that stronger together, and we can accomplish this goal and make, take advantage of this opportunity that much faster. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Commissioner Calkins. The only comment I would add is, uh, Commissioner Feldman, I hope you'll vote for this because I think our participation in Blue Wind provides us exactly the mechanism that we need to ensure that the pursuit of, in this case, the supply chain for floating offshore wind on the West Coast, uh, but also in the future, uh, you know, if there is a consideration around uh, permitting or siting in Washington waters, which, to correct the record, Maritime Blue is not promoting at all. Um, if that happens, uh, our participation in those conversations is critical to ensure that the concerns of our fishery partners, of tribal nations, of coastal communities, we have the kind of advocacy and expertise that helps us to ensure that those voices are heard in conversations involving big multinational entities with no interest in Washington State. We want to make sure that those voices are heard at the table. So I think our participation in Blue Wind uh, enables us to continue to develop the expertise we need in this field. So I hope we can get a 5-0 vote for this. In that spirit, Commissioner Fallon, would you like to make the motion? As not the originator of this, I think that would be inappropriate. Okay, I'll take a motion. Anyway, so moved. Thank you. Can I get a second? Seconded. Excellent. Clerk Hart, please call the roll. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hoskawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Five ayes, zero nays for this item. Excellent. The motion passes. Thank you. All right, moving on in the agenda. We have four new business items today. Clerk Hart, please read the first item into the record. Deputy Executive Director Goon will then introduce the item. Thank you. This is agenda item 10A, adoption of resolution number 3814, a resolution adopting the final budget of the Port of Seattle for the year 2024, making, determining, and deciding the amount of taxes to be levied upon the current assessment roll providing payment of bond redemptions and interest, cost of future capital improvements and acquisitions, and for such general purposes allowed by law, which the port deems necessary, and directing the King County Council as to the specific sums to be levied on all of the assessed properties of the Port of, port of Seattle District in the year 2024. With companion resolution item 10B, this is resolution number 3815, a resolution specifying the dollar and percentage change in the regular property levity levy from the previous year per RCW 84.55.120, providing for a 4.8% increase of the levy from $82,659,367 to $86,664,580. Commissioners, as Executive Director Metric noted last week, the 2024 budget takes a strategic approach to balancing economic uncertainty with key investments in our priorities. We start with an ambitious set of capital improvement projects to make operational, uh, to make operation of our aviation and maritime gateways more efficient, effective, and sustainable in a time of rising demand. We continue our world-leading efforts on sustainability and equity in a way that supports the community and the globe while making our business lines more competitive and resilient. And we support our workforce 
support employees and those of our tenants, vendors, and business partners to ensure our, our ability to recruit and retain the people we need to operate successfully. We have incorporated your feedback from last week's meeting into our final documents. We look forward to hearing any additional feedback you have. Dan Thomas, Chief Financial Officer, Finance and Budget, and Michael Tong, Director, Corporate Budget, are both in person for your questions today. Thank you. I was just going to say thank you, Karen, and good afternoon, Commissioners. Uh, I think Karen summarized, summarized it well. We don't plan to do a full presentation. The uh, presentation materials are the same that we uh, went through last week during introduction. I did want to note, though, however, as we did um, uh, mention to you last week, there were two items we planned to add to the budget, and those were $50,000 uh, to the Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion's budget for consulting around human trafficking, and also $300,000 for a portwide economic impact study. Those uh, have now been added to the budget. So we'd be happy to take any questions. Excellent. Uh, let me just start by saying thank you to Dan and to Michael and your teams in and, and doing this. I know we do this every year, but um, I think every year I'm reminded how complex this organization is and um, how uh, difficult it is for us to... Uh, track all the things that we need to be tracking, especially given the elongated capital projects and, um, and, and some of the things that we can't predict, like some of the, the, the cleanup activity that we need to do. And so really appreciate all the great work that you do to keep us informed, uh, to put together a budget that's healthy uh, and that works for the people of King County and the greater state. So thank you all. Uh, with that, I will uh, open it up to any commissioners for questions. Anyone, anyone online? Uh, with questions? Yes, Commissioner Feldman. Yes, thank you. As clearly we've gone through this quite a few times, one of the things this making this accessible to the public is my comment about how much value I put in the budget and brief and being able to articulate this phone book of a document in a way that the press could cover it that shows the port's relevance to the community, and I think the budget and brief does a great job of that. Uh, but my only concern was one, one statement I saw that I would like to verify if indeed it is true, states that once again, sustainability programs at the airport and seaport drive some of the largest operating cost increases. That's, that I, and my understanding based on my question last, last meeting was that the big expenses associated with cleanup are associated with um, capital. And so the fact that sustainability programs, some of the largest operating cost increases, I didn't see that in the budget. Can somebody help me understand that? Well, Commissioner, <clears throat> thank you for the question. Um, as you mentioned the cleanup activities, and that much of that is included in the non-operating budget uh, for the environmental reserves. Um, so that's not technically operating expenses. So I think that's referring to more what's in the operating budget. And there are a lot of sustainability initiatives that are sprinkled throughout both the aviation and non-aviation, the maritime uh, budgets. I don't have the specifics in front of me, but we can, we can provide you with more information if you want to see some of the specific line items that are included in the budgets related to sustainability initiatives. But they're, they're kind of a, a, across divisions. So you would agree that once again, sustainability programs drive some of the largest operating cost increases? I'd have to go back and look at the numbers. I mean, clearly things like payroll are our largest expenses, 
But I think for when you're looking at non-payroll types of drivers, I think sustainability probably is right up there. I, I don't know if I could say it's the largest. I, I didn't write that particular line. But we can certainly provide you with some additional information to give you that context you're looking for. Thank you. I think articulating our budget is as important as what's in the budget. So thank you for such a beautiful job you've done. Sure. Excellent. Any other questions or comments? All right. In that case, I will entertain a motion to pass the budget. So moved. So moved. Seconded, Mr. Chair. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, here, um, the motion was made and seconded. Clerk Hart, please go call the roll. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hoskawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Five ayes, zero nays for the budget. Excellent. Congratulations. The motion to adopt the 2024 budget and tax levy passes. A historic budget. Thank you all. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. Cooperate. Thank you, Commissioners, and thank you for your support. Thank you. All right. Moving on to our next item. Clerk Hart, please read the item into the record, and Deputy Executive Director Goon will then introduce it. Thank you. This is agenda item 10C, introduction and adoption of resolution number 3816, a resolution authorizing the executive director to sell and convey port personal property in 2024 in accordance with RCW 53.08.090 with a value not greater than $22,000 and repealing resolution number 3808 dealing with the same subject. Commissioners, this is the annual authorization to set our thresholds for selling and conveying surplus port property excuse me, equipment. In the past, staff has conducted outreach to local jurisdictions to provide needed items. For example, last year we were able to provide 13 diamondback bicycles from the Port Police to Rainier Beach High School's Bike Works Program. This action enables conveyance of the property in 2024 and updates the amount to reflect what is allowed under state law. Lisa Lamb, Interim Director, Accounting and Finance, Financial Reporting, is joining us today. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Um, today, I'm here to request the introduction and adoption of the resolution number 3816. Um, this is a resolution for the Port of Seattle to authorize the executive director to sell and convey the port personal property in 2024 in accordance with RCW 53.08.090 with a value not greater than 22000 and repealing the resolution number 3808 uh, that adopted last year uh, related to the same topic. Um, I do want to highlight that this is an annual year-to-year -year renewal of resolution. Um, you may notice that this year, the um, initial amount, the threshold we set at 22000 is a 1000 less than last year. Last year is 23000 so a little bit not normal. In the past, when we come each year, you will see the threshold increase slightly. And the very reason of this is the RCW 53.08.090 was updated in 2023. It was uh, updated and amended, actually reset this initial threshold to 22,000. So it's not something that subject to any um, judgment or calculation on our part is straight out from this RCW. And to add to that, this RCW um, also set the parameter that will change going forward. This 22,000 will be set through until December 2024. Until that time, the Washington State Department of Revenue would actually calculate the new threshold for all 
all the state agency uh, statewide, and they will calculate it based on December 1st uh, consumer price index going forward. So, but this year we are coming to you to uh, request you to adopt this resolution to set the threshold at 22,000. Thank you so much. Any questions from commissioners on this item? All right, seeing none, let me just say, uh, I recall every year Rudy used to come and present this to us. Um, miss you, Rudy, but I'm glad uh, we have a great feeling for you. This is one of the best things that we do as a port. I really love that we do this. Really glad that as a port commission we can uh, you know, share our resources with uh, the youth and the communities that need it the most. And so uh, happy to support it and uh, I'm looking forward to voting for it, which brings me to a call for a motion. So moved, Mr. Chair. Second. All right. The motion has been made and seconded. Clerk Hart, please call the roll. You know what? Before we, I'm sorry, Michelle. Uh, I, yes. I, there's a part of this script that I completely glossed over. Uh, before we do this, there is a request to consolidate resolution readings for this item allowing for adoption on the same day the resolution is introduced. Per our bylaws and rules of procedure, that action to consolidate requires unanimous consent of all members. Is there any objection to the, consolidating, uh, the consolidation of the readings today? Hearing none, we will consider adoption of the resolution at today's meeting. Now we can call the rope. Thank you. Can I? I'm sorry. We were having some sound issues on the live stream that we're aware of, so I was triaging that a oh. little bit. So just to make everybody in the room aware, we are aware of the issues and we're doing what we can. And then, can you please let me know who made the motion in the second? I believe uh, Commissioner Hazagawa made the motion, and Commissioner Mohammed made the second. Thank you very much for that. For the vote, beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed? Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho? Aye. Thank you. Five ayes, zero nays for this item. Excellent. Uh, the motion passes. All right. Moving along. Clerk Hart, please read the next item into the record. And I'm going to say Acting Director Goon will then introduce it. It says Deputy Executive Director. For you you can call me doctor if you want. <laughs> <laughs> My dad Goon. wanted a doctor. In the yeah. <laughs> and this is agenda item 10D, authorization for the Executive Director to approve additional construction funding to replenish project contingencies for the Fisherman's Terminal Redevelopment Program, Maritime Innovation Center, and Site Improvements in the amount requested of $4,017,495 and a total project authorization of $36,608,000. Commissioners, earlier this year, you approved construction on one of our most exciting projects, a new Maritime Innovation Center that will demonstrate our commitment to innovation, entrepreneurship, and sustainability. This project will transform the historic ship supply building at Fisherman's Terminal into a living building level sustainable structure, which will serve as the home for our Maritime Innovation Accelerator. We are back before you today because the sole bidder exceeded our engineer's estimate by 24%. While the project contingencies can't absorb the increase, responsible fi financial stewardship brings us back before you today so we can replenish the project contingency in case there are additional unforeseen costs. Joining us today are Kira Lees, Director of Real Estate Development and Economic Development. Excuse me, there's a lot of developments in there. And Kelly Purnell, Capital Project Manager, Number 4, Waterfront Project Management, 
Uh, thank you, Commissioners and Deputy Director Boom uh, for today. Um, I do want to note to Cork Hart that we had a miscalculation in our budget memo, and there's a roughly $10,000 discrepancy between um, what is asked for in the presentation material and what we will need. So I will furnish a correction for you uh, later in the presentation. Thank you, Kara. Kara, yeah. through the commission Just president, really through the commission president to Ms. Lees, can you please give me that number recalculation for the record? Kelly, do you want to give it? Yes. Yes. So just a quick, a quick point. Um, the memo is correct. We are our um, ask in our presentation was not properly updated. So the amount that we are asking for in the memo is correct is four million seventeen thousand four hundred ninety-five. Thank you for that. Thank you, and I'll proceed. Um, as noted by Deputy G uh, Director Goon, uh, this item relates to our previous authorization we came to you in August for the authorization for construction for the Maritime Innovation Center and a series of uh, important public space improvements around Fisherman's Terminal to be constructed simultaneously. Um, as noted in our presentation in August, this Construction, particularly of the Maritime Innovation Center, is extraordinarily complicated. Um, we presented a budget at that time with about a 25% contingency fund allotted to the program at the Maritime Innovation Center. And though we have enough authorization, financial authorization, to proceed to accept the bid, the single bid that we got, uh, prudence leads us to ask again for additional funds to refund our contingency balances on this significant project. So we will go through the presentation and answer any questions you may have, um, but that's the upshot of our request for today. So next slide, please. Specifically, the authorization uh, for the executive director to approve additional construction funding in the amount of Four million seventeen thousand four hundred and ninety-five to replenish project budget contingency for a total project authorization of again thirty-six million six hundred and eight thousand dollars. Next slide, please. Um, so we advertised for construction after our authorization on August twenty-eighth and opened bids October nineteenth. As noted by Deputy Director Agoon, the construction estimate being $16,587,514, the one qualified bidder was approximately 24% over that at $20,542,000. Uh, so our current construction estimated total construction cost is $28,380,000. Next. And I think I'm going to turn it over to Kelly. Kelly. Thank you. So this is a brief um, summary of what we're asking for and where we're going to be as far as our construction costs um, based on the qualified bid that we received. So again, um, our request is $4,017,495. Um, um, which will bring our construction costs to the 28 point, uh, just under 28.4 million and a total project cost of 36.6. Um, so next slide. 
So here's a broad overview of our construction schedule milestones. Um, we were able to advertise on the 28th, and we are maintaining our schedule of being able to uh, execute the contract in November, which would kick off that supercritical um, verification period for our contractor, which is the six-month um, time for them to go out and do the research at the site and do any additional testing, make sure that we know all of the site conditions. Um, so that's on our critical path, and this will allow us to get there um, comfortably. Um, so our construction notice to proceed is still in May of 2024, so that has not changed. We have not had much slippage um, with the construction start um, uh, just after notice to proceed. So our substantial construction has moved a couple of weeks, but it's still in August of 2025. Um, next slide. This is our timeline that we showed previously in our construction authorization. Again, we have not had any scheduled slippage other than a couple of weeks as we are dealing with uh, this bid overage um, and our contingency replenishments. Um, but we're still planning on our, our, our substantial completion in 2025 so that we can get our maritime blue tenant improvement started and start um, that critical LBC certification period, um, which is a 12-month period after substantial completion. So we're trying to maintain this as much as we possibly can. Um, our time and our schedule on this is one of our biggest risks that we're trying to mitigate and make sure that we have all the funds that we need. Next slide. That's really all. Um, go ahead, Kira. But yeah, before we get into questions, I just want to highlight something that happened over the weekend with regard to this project. Uh, the Maritime Innovation Center was awarded the Holcomb Silver Prize for Sustainable Construction and Development in Venice, Italy, uh, just this past weekend. Um, uh, it was uh, nominated and against a member in a wide array of international projects, and we're pretty proud of that accomplishment with our architect, Miller Hall. So I just wanted to put that out, and now I'm happy to entertain any questions you have about this IO. Excellent. Thank you, Kira and Kelly. Any questions from commissioners for the team? All right. Seeing none, I will entertain a motion. Oh, Commissioner Fellman. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> regarding this single bid, wasn't this the same company that did the Boat Foundation? I don't know. I Kelly, don't are you know. aware? I am not aware. I don't believe so. So Forma Construction is the, the qualified bidder. Um, I am not aware. I would have to get back to you on that one. But they, they I thought they had this unique qualification for green they building and construction, prior, right? They do. They yes. do have prior living building challenge experience. Which is yeah, so, awesome so although it's unfortunate it's a single bid, they have this unique uh, credential in doing that. And then the only only other thing is um, regarding, we've asked about this before, regarding the, uh, the, the signage and other amenities along the, along the building. So um, this, this budget incorporates that in there, right? And so, but there was some question as to whether the entire amount of that it was budgeted expense for expensing, or there was going to be other uh, assets in the area that's still to be defined within the budget? Uh, I'm not sure I'm understanding your question. Can you ask again? Uh, my understanding was that the, I guess that, that the proposed projects within the waterfront uh, amenity improvement 
is less than the amount that is allocated for it. I think you're thinking of the art. So and the 1% for art was uh, the amount that has been allocated um, is not the amount that we actually have in that budget um, based on that 1%. But the interpretive signage itself um, has been fully allocated. Okay. I know that there was some connection between the two. We were going to try to do interpretation with art. Thank you for that clarification. And we are, and yeah, and we are working with the artists and our historian to collaborate as we speak. So you should see evidence of that in the final product. Thank you. No further questions. Great. Commissioner Calkins? Yeah, this, um, it, it's always frustrating when um, projects don't come in as we originally had budgeted them. But I, I sort of want to just take a moment to remind us all of what we think the long-term value of this building will be, particularly the, um, the purpose it will serve in terms of helping to serve as a, a sort of nursery or to help gestate great ideas that have the ability to ripple way beyond direct economic benefit to the port or even to port's neighbors. Uh, but, you know, it, the intent is for it to house companies that are making significant progress on some of the biggest challenges we face in maritime and in clean energy. Uh, yesterday, I had the opportunity to visit with uh, Leanne, uh, a place called the Clean Energy Institute at the uh, University of Washington, which is a similar model to what we're intending for the Maritime Innovation Center to, to be, but in the area of clean energy. They focus on solar energy and batteries and um, what we can see in a fairly mature uh, uh, laboratory like that where they're able to bring in early stage companies and help them find sort of fertile ground to be able to do things that companies of that size would not normally be able to do because of access to shared space or tools or other things. And then just the collaboration that happens when they're in, in close quarters with each other, conversation, so to speak, of the water cooler that help to create new ideas and, and uh, expand innovation beyond what would happen if they were um, forced to do so on uh, in, in you know, a, a leased office building in Kent or something. Uh, this puts them right on the waterfront, right where we want them doing uh, the kind of work they're doing in both freshwater and saltwater. So while it's disappointing uh, for the, the budget to go up in an extraordinarily high inflationary environment and also at a time when uh, it is hard to lure contractors to work um, because of the amount of work that's out there, um, I'm supportive of going forward in spite of the, the budget overrun uh, because I think the long-term benefit will far outweigh in terms of overall economic benefit and, and truly sustainability benefit um, the, the money that we put in at the outset. Great. Commissioner Mohammed. Thank you so much, Commissioner. Yeah, I echo those same sentiments as Commissioner Calkins. Um, in fact, the electric boat that we welcomed recently mm. at the Port of Seattle, we were all so excited that we uh, welcomed our first electric boat. Two of the companies that built that boat came out of the Maritime Accelerator and will be using the Maritime Innovation Center to make things like that happen. And so, um, you know, I think we predict some of these r price run-ups happening considering just the economic situation that we are in. I do think that we are going to get a lot of return in our investment and look forward to supporting this item as well. Thanks for bringing up those points, Commissioner Calkins. Excellent. Yes. Thank you. Any other comments or questions from commissioners? All right. Well, with that, I will entertain a motion and a second for this item. 
So moved. Seconded. The motion has been made and seconded. Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasakawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Five ayes, zero nays for this item. Excellent. The motion passes. Thank you both. Thank you, Commissioners. All right, Thank that you. concludes new business. We have no presentations or staff reports for today's meeting. So that concludes our business meeting agenda for the day. Are there any closing comments at this time or motions relating to committee referrals from commissioners? Excellent. Uh, Acting Direct Executive Director Goon, any closing comments from you? Nothing further other than to thank everyone for helping me prepare for today and wish <laughs> everyone a happy Thanksgiving and Indigenous Peoples Day and safe travels. Excellent. I, I want to note real quickly that we have, uh, perhaps for the first time ever, an acting uh, executive director and an acting chief of staff that are both women. So I'm very proud of that. Congratulations to you both. It's a, it's a moment worth celebrating. Uh, I also want to echo the sentiments of wishing everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Um, I hope everyone gets some well-deserved time off and uh, gets get to eat. We don't do turkey in my household, but get to eat a lot of turkey or turduckins or whatever it is that you might do uh, at your house. All right. Hearing no further comments and having no further business, if there is no objection, we are adjourned at 1.17 p.m. Thank you all. <laughs>